0: have landed on the substance. I'm your host, Trevor Aiken.
1: And I'm your other host, Philip Marinello.
0: We're two guys thinking critically about faith and Culture and Theology. And welcome. Good to have Thanks. you guys back. Thanks
1: for coming back. i um, so, really
0: excited about today's episode.
1: So today we're going to be having our first entry in our substantive story section. Really glad with the feedback we got on some of our substantive cinema already. Those seem to be the most popular ones <laughs> yeah. when it comes to listens and downloads and feedback. So hopefully uh, we'll have something just as good for you today as well.
0: So today, especially, uh, we've got here with us on the show, the author of a book that would have just launched by the time you're hearing this yeah it came out last month yeah kids were called love made by a author a writer blogger spoken word artist so many things in the creative sphere kina aragon
1: do we get that name right kina yep you did perfect perfect
0: yeah, I didn't go with the Aragone.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask. Oh, you could've, you could've <laughs> I should have asked that before <laughs> we started recording, if you had a preference. Depends how scary so, you K- want to be. Kina, we could re- we could, uh, I've got your website here in front of us. We could just read your bio, but why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? What When somebody says, hey, Kina, what do you do? What do you usually tell them?
2: I always get nervous. But um, I... <laughs> <Kina>. <laughs> And uh, I guess uh, oh, I would say I'm a spoken word artist, author. Um, I sometimes copy edit as well. Um, I am the wife to John Aragon and the mother to J.L. Sophia, who is just recently turned three years old, and so we live in um, wow. she is Florida. three already? I know. Yes, I can't believe wow. that. I cry always the month leading up oh. to her birthday. Um, I just can't believe she's three now, but yes, she's three. Um, And we go to Living Faith Bible Fellowship in Tampa. We serve in various ways because we're a relatively small church. So most people who are serving are serving in a lot of different ways. But the main thing I do is help lead the ministry for small groups. And then I lead a small group of women um, as well, which is one of my biggest joys um, doing that. So yeah, Excellent. I guess hopefully that's that me in a nutshell.
1: Yeah, small group ministries. I always get excited and just jazzed up when I hear about churches that have vital small group ministries because that's really where the commandments and the church stuff of the New Testament actually happens, right? Mm. In small
2: groups? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Sunday mornings
1: are great, and the corporate worship and the sacrificial giving and Mm -hmm. the praying and the ministry of the word, that's all essential and, and good, and I'm edified by that, but I really feel like the true edification comes not just listening passively to God's word, but interacting it in a tight small group of people
2: yes exactly i think that's kind of in a lot of ways where the one and others of scripture come together or you get to really practice that as you get to know people's needs and they get to know your needs and your sins and it's just the place where i've been able to i always say be known and not impressive so i'm just really thankful sure. for my small group of ladies who we meet every monday and it's always refreshing whether i've had a terrible week or a great one that's yeah, you're awesome. not
1: Kina Aragon, editor, writer, spoken right. word artist, right. <laughs> yes. TGCW headliner. Yeah, there, you're just Kina.
2: Yeah, Kina, tired with messy hair. That's typically mine. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> and and that's that's
1: that's awesome.
0: Do you guys have like a structure or something you're going over right now that's got you really excited about it?
2: Yeah, our small group ministries, our small groups go through um, the Gospel Project curriculum. So right now where that curriculum is, is the book of Exodus and our structure is typically you know we just come in i i host it as well um as lead it with a couple other ladies and uh so i cook dinner for everyone who's coming from work because most people come hungry so we eat for a little bit and then fantastic yeah jump into our lesson and then we do like prayer requests and that's kind of like a heart check for everyone we try as much as possible to get as vulnerable as possible in that time and just allow people to share their prayer requests without trying to give them counsel or anything in that moment, but just letting people be kind of where they're at. And then mm. uh, we spend some time in prayer for each other. Uh, and then we we try to end it in encouragement. We think of like in Hebrews where it talks about exhorting each other, encouraging each other day by day so that the yeah. deceitfulness of sin doesn't harden our hearts. So one of the ways we try to do that through small groups is uh, near the, at the end of small groups to spend time and saying, hey, sister, so-and-so, you know, you encouraged me in this way the other day and just pointing out the grace of God that we see in each other's lives. And that always, always kind of a good note to end on.
0: That's so encouraging to hear and so cool too, to like, whenever you're going to church and things and just imagining the work of God happening in so many other places around the world at the same time, just knowing that God's grace is being poured out in those ways. It's awesome.
2: Yes. Yes, definitely. And
1: I also was going to ask you on my way here, one of the things Trevor and I talk about, I'm, I'm sure there are a number of good podcasts that we would call Christian podcasts in the sphere that maybe I'm not aware of, but One of them is Risen Motherhood, and I was just listening to the new Mm -hmm. one, and I just heard an announcement that you're now on the board of that.
2: Yes, that's right. I think that did come out today. Um, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So what does that that look like for you? Well, it looks like just hearing the decisions that they're making now as a nonprofit and um, providing any feedback and just considering the gifts that I have in any way that I can serve them um, as a ministry. and so. So far, it hasn't been like like a whole bunch of work or anything, but it's more so just kind of catching their vision and understanding the direction of uh, their nonprofit and what they're about, which I absolutely love. They're ha- they happen to be my friends as well, or we've we've kind of grown a friendship over the last year or so. Met each other at the uh, PGC Women's Conference, the Gospel Coalition in Indiana this last year. And since then, just have really just clicked with them in a lot of ways. So I'm really thankful for their ministry and their friendship.
1: Well, very cool. Congratulations! Awesome. That sounds uh, sounds like a really good partnership. So you've been on there, and you've also been on the Journey Woman. Have you been on any other podcasts?
2: Um, no, actually, I was going to say you guys are the first male. That I, I, was, done. I was gonna ask
1: you about that because i know you worked with the witness and i was like i'm not sure if she was ever actually on the witness podcast so we no, the uh, no, premiere no. of kina aragon on a non-female exclusive yeah. platform here
2: yeah. it first and year. our second guest ever yeah, yeah in I mean, good company. Like- so
1: so far we've had brett mccracken and now you
2: nice okay well there you go i mean it's not like i, I haven't really done a whole lot of interviews anyway so this but it's still it's important because this is the first male one I've done.
1: <laughs> very wow. cool,
2: and I think I I, I
1: might have heard you on Wado's show. I feel like you might have thrown your spoken word in there before. Wow,
2: so you've okay, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's I more of my like a, word pieces on there. Yes, I've never been interviewed. Yeah, like yeah, mm-hmm. very cool. Awesome.
1: All right, well, you want to start getting into it? Let's kind of basically start at the beginning. You've already kind of told us currently about some of the ministry you're involved in, but briefly and basically in broad strokes, or in as much detail as you'd like to get into, how how did you come to know the Lord?
2: Yeah, um, well, so I was born in the Philippines. and uh, moved to Florida when I was like under one year old, um, but my mom's mm-hmm. side of the family is from there, and grew up in Orlando, Florida. I grew up in a pretty moral home, uh, went to Catholic school and Catholic mass from you know, first to eighth grade there's basically my whole childhood and around middle school time is when I began to ask questions to the nuns that would teach our religion class. That's what it was called. Questions like, how do I know Islam, is the truth or how can I believe in the virgin birth or how do you know? And unfortunately, I wasn't really pointed to the Bible as like the object of my faith or God's word as, as the object but rather was just kind of told a vague, just have faith. Um, But I didn't know the Bible, and I, to be honest, even my questions weren't coming from a place of genuinely wanting to seek God. I just had really no interest in God. I was obsessed with my reputation, with my status, wanting to be popular. So going from a Catholic school in first to eighth grade, I jumped into a public school for high school, so that I could play um, basketball for their school and went and kind of saw people that were actually my color. <laughs> the, my, my Catholic school experience was being like one of the two brown skin or black people there. Um, and mm-hmm. so going to big public schools, like, Oh, like people look like me. And I allowed, I, I would have said back then, Oh, I'm a Christian or I'm a Catholic even. But there was no evidence of love for the Lord, desire for God in any way. Um, Like I said, I was obsessed with my status. I did well in sports. I did well academically. And those were kind of my idols, my way of finding some sort of worth and value. One of the things that really helped me to see that I actually am a sinner is my lust and just the, the experience there in high school of uh, the snowballing of sin in that area in particular and realizing, oh, I'm a slave to this. Like, I don't, I I can't stop even if I wanted to. And um, thankfully, I had a friend uh, in my English class and on my volleyball team who was able to share the gospel with me. I built a friendship with her because she, I was a setter on my volleyball team and she was our best hitter. And so I, I liked her because she got all the points for us, but she also had a great personality and just, um, just uh, something about her that really drew me. And uh, she and her family were able to share Christ with me that I heard the gospel for the first time, clearly that I can remember from her on on a bus ride on our way to an away game for volleyball, and um, that's really when nice. it wow. <clears throat> I had reached out to her like a couple days prior to to that because I I do believe the Lord was really drawing me. Um, I had heard from her, you can have a relationship with God, and just that kind of language of, like, relationship and fellowship with God was something new for me. And and so it piqued my interest, but it wasn't until God really allowed for the emptiness that I had felt my whole life, despite having us being, you know, pretty well off, having popularity, having what the world has to offer, and yet not being satisfied. And God, a couple days prior to her sharing the gospel with me, um, had really helped me to just, I don't know see my need and my emptiness and just the fact that i couldn't run from that emptiness so that by the time she did share the gospel with me i, I basically had reached out to her and said can you share more of this god stuff with me i didn't know how to <laughs> articulate it I, I was using the words wrong i was using my christianese wrong and stuff i was using repent as an adjective and so i just didn't know what i was talking about but i just knew that there was something missing and so thankfully, she shared the gospel with me, and um, it was just so clear at that point, and that's when I trusted in Christ, and um, that was when I was 16 in high school, and so uh, it's just been definitely a journey ever since, but yeah.
1: That's so encouraging to hear, especially one of the things we talked about recently on a show is bad evangelism, where people do it impersonally through kind of leaving tracts around and stuff like that. Not that there's anything wrong with using tracts, but just the power of a good life and love and openness and just that relationship. Not that you want to build relationships with people and never, ever bring up the Lord, but just Living with people right. and loving them, that's that's the way that God made us as communal creatures. I mean, especially, I mean, I hate the phrase, but especially in this day and age, things are pretty impersonal, just the power of that connection.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was truly their hospitality, she and her family's hospitality that allowed me to really see the interaction of their family, of them knowing the Lord and just the love that they had for each other. And I was like, there is something different about this. <laughs> And I want to mm. know um, what's going on here, but yeah, that's so true, uh, Jesus said, you know the the world would know you by your love for each other, and that was very yeah. true in my case. Wow,
0: that's amazing, and what's awesome, too is you know so many times you see people have a testimony or, or they they get saved, but you see a lot of people who kind of just attend church rather than be involved and in minister in church and and I wonder if, what were some of the influences on you that kind of drove you. Or kind of your what the Lord laid on your heart to kind of drive you into really being active in ministry.
2: Um, I think that was definitely a process. Like when I first came to know the Lord, I didn't know I I didn't really understand that I was supposed to be in community, and so it was just me and my Bible and you know my friend. Like it, it would go to a restaurant with me usually after volleyball practice and teach me how to read my Bible and stuff. Um, so it it, would, it took a minute for me to realize I needed community. Um, I think by the end of high school, I saw, I understood that. uh, In terms of ministry, it's just been an interesting process because I I went from high school to college, and the family that um, shared the gospel with me and kind of mentored me in the first couple years, they were a part of a ministry that was called the Impact Movement, and they were reaching a lot of students of African descent and college campuses and so I had a mind to, you know, want to start a chapter for that at my um college. And so I went into college very like zealous for the Lord and wanting to talk to everybody about Jesus. But having I didn't know a, a single person in Tampa where I went to college. I didn't know a <laughs> single person on my campus. I just knew that Jesus is God and that he saved me and that I want to share that with people. And so my freshman year dealt with a lot of loneliness, uh, but still very much so pursuing God and wanting to just share the gospel with my roommates and with um, others on campus. And near the end of that year is when I began to form real friendships and one in particular that has stayed with me to, to this day, one of my best friends who also knew the Lord. So we, would do like Bible studies in my dorms and just in any way I could get the word out. So it was kind of like, not sure how to answer that because it, it, it took a, I just knew I was, I just wanted to tell people about Jesus and through different opportunities like mission trips and things like that, just realizing that I might have a gift to teach God's word. And so that just through being eager to serve Jesus in any way and share about Jesus, I, I realized that those are some gifts that are there to serve
0: and um, yeah that's awesome also speaking about gifts that the lord's given you and things like that i was wondering if you could kind of jump into <laughs> spoken maybe the word spoken word yeah, side yeah so the first
1: thing you said when he said hey what are you so spoken word artist do you kind of consider that obviously other than wife and mother do you kind of consider spoken word artist germane gifting or pursuit or public ministry
2: I guess, I see. I, th- I think I still wrestle with that because I don't, I don't, I, it's just very easy for me to compare myself to others and like, I'm not like a legit poet, but I guess technically I, I have a, a few videos on YouTube. Well, you like, have
1: a few videos and you do have a book coming out or yeah, by now <laughs> that this, this is airing, you do have a book that came out last month that is pretty spectacular. Yes, yes. So I think it is fair to call yourself yeah. a poet.
2: Yeah I, th- yeah, I think that's, yeah, yes. Yeah. You're right. Um, it's just something I still kind of wrestle with. But that no I,
1: humility is good. But you you
2: gotta cut yourself. Yeah, sober-mindedness, sober, mindedness, <laughs> sober mindedness. Uh But yeah, so I just want to. I, I guess that would be maybe my main uh, way. A lot of different people publicly might know me through, through so my poetry. What is? Yeah, we're yeah. looking to grow
1: our audience. I, I I'd like to think that we have a pretty diverse base of friends starting out. But um, for for those who might not know. Um, like Trevor maybe <laughs> or others what is spoken word let's start there how would you define or describe spoken word to somebody that maybe never had any experience with <laughs> yeah. it yeah
2: yeah um well spoken word is performance poetry um so it's poetry that you write and then you memorize and you perform live typically that's that's kind of the i guess the purest sense of it is to perform poetry in a i guess dramatic
1: way Mm -hmm. performance poetry that's a real good
2: definition is there
0: like a sense of i was kind of trying to distinguish in my mind the difference between someone who maybe like gets up and speaks a poem or reads a poem and like spoken word and maybe like a rhythmic sense is there some sense of rhythm there in spoken word that's maybe a little bit different than just normal poetry
2: yeah, I think so. I think it's more in your face. I'm not the expert on spoken word or poetry by any means. Uh, that's probably why. <laughs> I'd be Like this is what I am. But yeah, I think it's a little bit more. Uh, typically is presented a little bit more um, passionately, maybe or boldly. Yeah. yeah, I think
1: when you said dramatic, that really it's struck true. me. I mean, I've never. I, I've seen some really good spoken word, but I mean, I've always been a huge hip hop fan and for a long time I always kind of thought of spoken word as like acapella hip hop but there really is like a dramatic performance aspect it's not just somebody saying stuff with a rhythm with no music right it. there's yeah right. there's an emotion it really is like a performance I've always
0: found it like super gripping too where if you're in Good a room spoken word with someone doing spoken word yeah it, I mean even if it's bad like it'll get your attention in a bad way but oh, that <laughs> yeah. that it does <laughs> but it's you can't really ignore the art form in a sense uh, what, mm. what what's uh, the origin story between you and getting into spoken word how did you come by that as something that you wanted to do or find your voice in that
2: So when I came to know the Lord, the the family that I mentioned before that um, shared the gospel with me, my friend had two older sisters and I saw, I didn't really know anything about the art form and stuff, but I mean, I definitely loved hip hop. But anyways, I saw her her two sisters, like a recording of them doing a spoken word piece they wrote for their mom on their mom's 50th birthday. And I was like, that's really cool. I, I didn't expect me to ever do it at any point in time. I felt like they're like really were like the older, cooler <laughs> people. So I was like, that's probably not something I'll do, but I think it's a really cool art form. And then just as I was growing in my relationship with the Lord and reading my Bible, I would journal and a lot of times in my journal it just come out uh, as poetry. and I ended up having a an English teacher. She was actually my freshman year English teacher. But my senior year of high school, she decided to put together a poetry slam for our school. And um, I can't remember how she knew I had written a poem. I don't remember that part, but I do remember her being like, you need to memorize your poems and go perform it. And I was like, through her challenging me in that way and kind of encouraging me in that way, that's when I started to like be like maybe I'll I'll try and memorize one of these and ended up memorizing it and performing it and it just went really well it was probably like 300 students from my high school at a time and we did different shows wow.
1: man so senior in high school you got saved what sophomore
2: year I got saved sophomore year yep that's correct oh junior year sorry so the poetry slam was junior year because I remember I did it two years in a row so I did it junior okay. year and senior year thanks to that english teacher and yeah, just, through doing that kind of thing, people come up to me like teary-eyed uh, people that I uh, really wanted them. Thank God
1: for good teachers. That's
2: incredible. No, yeah, seriously. So I'm thankful I'm her friend on Facebook to this day. So I'm always like, it's, Yeah, I was going to ask, are you still, still you? in touch with him or her? Yeah, she's still so encouraging, always commenting, but yeah. Um, yeah, so really, really thankful for her pushing me in that way.
1: Very cool. So before we get on to... Your writing and some of the other things, what would you say, still on the spoken word aspect, what do you think are some of the unique strengths of spoken word as a very unique and not necessarily mainstream art form?
2: Um, I think what you mentioned, when it, what you guys mentioned before about it, you kind of have to pay attention to it. So if you're at an event and someone just gets on stage and there's most likely no music and they're just performing this poem or you know speaking so passionately you kind of have to pay attention and i think that's one of the ways just its ability to draw people's attention um what i've more recently enjoyed about it is the opportunity that you have as a poet to sort of embody your text or to Hmm. act out almost It's kind of like a maybe like an actress or something like you you can kind of act out um let's say you're writing a poem from the perspective of somebody else and you're trying to be that person for that time when you're on stage and i i appreciate that because i think that kind of thing tends to foster empathy so where there can be conversations that are a bit more difficult um it's easier for people to hear a story or to even see a story in some ways acted out in front of them through spoken word um, that can allow for them to sort of, for a moment, try to walk in the other person's shoes and, and foster empathy. So I, I do like that aspect of it as well.
1: That really is true. I mean, especially like on our brand, you really can get to, like you said, more difficult or deeper or substantive things than just with a chorus or a pop song that that is true that makes a lot of sense so as kind of a sidebar before we move on one of the things we do is substantive cinema and i've one of the next ones i'm trying to get on our list is blind spotting have you seen that yet
2: I haven't because I knew I was going to cry, but yes, I'm very ready to see it now. I'm, I'm excited. Oh, okay. I, my, well, my, I will not ask, ask your thoughts on it. Yeah, don't tell me. No spoilers, please. My friend who's a I screenwriter mean, <laughs> it and he said The, tears, the so plot, I mean, lied.
1: I guess there are some plot things, but it was just so impressive, especially like you said, having the guys who wrote it performed at the writers or the stars, and it's it was yes. one of the more impressive things mm. that I saw last year.
2: Yes, and Dobby Diggs is, I think, one of the actors, right? The one from Hamilton. Yeah, the guy from Hamilton. Yep, that in and of itself was enough for me to want to watch it, but yes, yes, I can't wait.
1: It is rated R, plenty of language, but it's a hard recommend, and I look forward to doing it on the show. Nice. I haven't seen it either. (laughs) Okay, so spoken word to... So let's get into writing. How did you start your ministry of writing? You said you like copy editing, and it said on your bio that your things have been featured on the Gospel Coalition Women and The Witness and some other outlets. How did you get into writing?
2: Uh, well, I've always written a lot. I mean, I've always just enjoyed any like English and language arts classes I had as a kid. Um, any writing, Not
1: terribly different from just, the
0: spoken word, I guess. Yeah, it sounds like that's almost how that got started.
2: Yeah, actually, I think that's kind of funny because the friend that shared the gospel with me, she was also in my English class in my sophomore year of high school before I knew the Lord. And when I did come to know the Lord and started doing poetry, she was like, I remember in English class we did a poetry segment and you were terrible at that. Um, So (laughs) I don't know. I do feel like that literally is a gift from the Lord um, that I used to try to just glorify him with because I know it's not from me but anyways in terms of just writing in general i've always loved writing and i don't know i think it maybe comes from just a sense of wanting to communicate the truth of god it just i tend to process through writing i'm Mm. an introvert and i enjoy pulling aside or it's usually helpful for me to pull away and um, journal and process whatever is going on or whatever i'm learning whatever i'm wrestling with so that can sometimes turn into maybe a blog post or article or um, poems usually. So that's, that's kind of, it's been not like a one day I decided it's just kind of been like progressive, always writing different types of things.
1: Sure. So you said writing helps you process theology and understanding and things like that. So what would you say are some of your christian literary influences who do you really love to read that maybe just you like to read them and they've helped you understand things better or more clearly or maybe now that you've done more writing who is it that you like reading or who have you seen influence your writing
2: oh man that's a good question um i think the first thing and this is going to sound like probably a a lot of people's answer to is probably c.s lewis sure Yeah. yeah his use of imagination has always for some reason when he explains something through fiction, like my favorite book from him is The Great Divorce. That's probably actually my favorite book, period. But
1: Oh wow, okay. Just,
2: yeah, the way he describes so many things. Faith, unbelief, just the Christian experience, sanctification, all of that stuff, the way he describes it has for some reason it just really hits home for me. So I would say him Christian author I mean John Piper, of course, as Tim Keller, um, have all been influential for me. I wanted I've, uh, Phyllis Wheatley. She was a slave, but an amazing poet. I don't know if you guys have heard of her, but um, Phyllis Wheatley. I've heard the name. Poetry. I've not read her. Yeah, you can get like her books online and stuff. You can even read stuff on Google. But um, I have her one of the collections of her poems here. And that has imp- just, I think, to her, just her the fact that she when you read her poems um just her her view her theology like is is high view of god and yeah so anyways i love her particularly in light of
1: her story i imagine that would be impactful Yeah,
2: right and so i'm i'm kind of just more recently wanting realizing that a lot of the people i've read although they've been impactful i have I'm just more so now realizing a lot of the the books I've read have not really been from people of color and so I've been a little bit trying to be a little bit more intentional to realize that those voices do exist within the church and that they're great voices a lot of times so right now I'm listening through Frederick Douglass's my my life and my bondage uh, or is it my freedom and my Frederick Douglass's autobiography and the pioneers of the black atlantic um reading Equiano's writing right now. So I don't know. I just feel like whatever I'm listening to or whatever I'm listening to or reading is impacting me <laughs> no matter what. Sure. Absolutely.
1: Nice. So also wanted to talk about, I've known, I've, I've met you before. I, I wouldn't say I, I knew you real well. I knew who you were. I knew that you did poetry, but what year did the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference, did you open up with Listen and Live?
2: Um, That was this last year, 2018.
1: Okay. I wasn't sure if it was 2017 or 2018. And we'll link to that in the show notes. Really incredible piece. Tell us a little bit about that opportunity, how it came to be and what what the impact of that has been. Because I don't imagine it was a small one with the quality of it and the stage that it was put on. So if you talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. um, That was such a privilege to do that project. And To be asked to do that project was truly like a a huge privilege and blessing for me. I had been in contact with the Gospel Coalition probably like a year prior to that or so. They had heard about me through my pastor who serves on one of the council members for the Gospel Coalition. And so I just written a couple articles for them in the past for the Gospel Coalition. Um, And as the Women's Conference was coming up, they the women's director at that time, her name Mary Wilson, she reached out and asked if I'd be willing, they, they had seen some of my spoken word videos on YouTube, and they asked if I'd be willing to do a creative presentation that would catch women up at that conference of the story from Genesis Through Numbers, because the conference was on the book of Deuteronomy. So they wanted me to... Yeah, that's it was so a, cool. Genesis
1: Through Numbers. Yeah, that's what it was. Man, yeah, that was yeah. good. I love yeah. the Old Testament.
2: Yeah. So, since that's on- quite a feat, though,
1: also, to put... Genesis yeah. through numbers in a 12 minute video.
2: And actually originally it was supposed to be 5 minutes. That's what they asked me for. It was a 5 <laughs> minute <Yeah. laughs> what? Yeah.
1: 5 minutes for Genesis to yep. do, for numbers? 4 books of the Bible 5 okay. minutes. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. Uh, it
2: was supposed to be 5 minutes, a creative retelling of that story that was creative and yet clear for those who maybe weren't um, <laughs> It's gotta be creative,
1: with. clear and 5 minutes long. Can you do that?
2: Correct. Yeah, yeah I was like, wow. uh like this was a great opportunity and i i was terrified to do it but it was like i i felt like saying no to that opportunity would have just been wrong so i said yes and uh not knowing (laughs) good answer yeah not knowing all that have become thanks to my husband's encouragement because i tend to struggle with a lot of um, imposter syndrome and doubt and all of that stuff. But anyways, and insecurities, but he encouraged me. I said yes and um proceeded to work on a script. And thankfully I had Mar- Mary Wilson is a beast theologian. Anyways, so I would go to her with a lot of my questions and, uh w- and a couple other women as well. And so actually when I think about writing the script, the people that, kind of helped me most were women theologians. And I was, now that I think of that, I think that's just really encouraging, um, as the conference itself was encouraging hearing women teach on the word. But anyways, I uh, wrote the script in a couple weeks and uh, worked really hard on it. And the first draft was like 20 something minutes to perform. So we knew that I had to edit it down significantly. (laughs) So I was able to edit it to about half the size of the original script, which was really painful because I felt like every line, of course, as a writer, you're like, every line's important. I said that on purpose. So I had to edit my own piece. To get 50% uh,
0: reduction too, that's pretty impressive.
1: And again, you're covering Genesis through numbers. There's a lot there.
2: (laughs) Exactly. It was hard. But I did have guidance from Mary Wilson and, and a lady named Ann Westrate to kind of help me about what are the like main points we're trying to communicate or what are the main parts of the story. So we did the script and then my husband's uh, like a creative on another level in terms of visuals and creative direction and graphics and websites and all of that stuff. So he kind of became the creative director for our project and then we have uh, friends named Juan and Haley they're married and they own a a video company and I've always wanted to work with them and now Mm -hmm. I kind of had the budget to to actually like pay them appropriately and uh, we worked together and we just all clicked really well and the video team, if i mean honestly if, if i didn't have the team that i did have it would have not been that good <laughs> so it was like god's grace that he put me with um those particular friends and of course my husband to help so yeah that's kind of how how it started
1: that's no i mean awesome. the the content was obviously theological and deep and also pretty impressive to nail that down to 12 minutes but just the the production value the cinematography and the locations it, it didn't look like you guys were in too many locations but just the way it was shot was really impressive i was almost kind of like yes. a short film
2: yeah, that's what we realized when we were in the desert shooting it. We were like, this really isn't, because I kept calling it a spoken word video. We kind of realized halfway through shooting, this is going to turn out to be, to feel more like a spoken word short film. So that's what we ended up calling it as a spoken word short yeah, film. Yeah, it
1: wasn't a music video or whatever. Like it was, it had a an arc and who was right. that woman that was with you? My wife was wondering about that.
2: Oh, I did not yeah, recognize no. her. She's my favorite. Her name is Karen Ellis. I had worked with her prior to that uh, short film, I guess. Uh, I had worked with her on a spoken word video before um, called When I Consider the Darkness, which is on YouTube. So she, I'd worked with her before. And so I reached out to her for this and she was willing to play my mother uh, in in the in the short film. so she is. She awesome. works with the persecuted church and travels a lot. I think she's working on her PhD. She is just world class. If you ever just look up yep. Karen Ellis and listen to her talks, it just has a lot of them have just really changed my life. So
1: she was very impressive. Had a lot of gravitas, and obviously they were your words, but she. Oh yeah, she she's, had been, a on for sure. she's
2: oh, been on Broadway. She's on TV show. Broadway that doesn't surprise show, me. Totally yeah. Great. So yeah, going. I was like, uh, I'm in my fantasy world. I would be an actress, but I'm really a writer. Um, so to act it, that little scene out with her, I was so nervous, and she was so natural. And I was like, man, she's really like good at this. She just, you can tell she's she has experience.
0: So, what was some of the impact afterwards after that video was shown after the short film and and people were able to see it. What are some of the doors that you know, kinda, the Lord kind of opened? World. Yeah, after after that happened.
2: Yeah, that was interesting. Um, I think because my hair was different in the video, not everybody realized what that. Was. <laughs> that was actually I wear my hair out, like literally the same hairstyle pretty much every day. I'm not very creative when it comes to that. Um, but my hair was different in the video, so a lot of people were like, "Was that?" you or so, <laughs> um, that was is there the a different uh, should we be looking but, for a different keen yeah i think they were looking for the you know the two strand twist that i had in the video but anyway demographic um,
1: mostly there. Yeah, so yeah, like, was because that, because
2: is that a <laughs> not sure if everyone actually knows that was me but um it's was two good um just good connections and relationships with others um, that I've admired, usually from afar, other writers and other performers and things like that. And then, you know, just different opportunities, like interviews or opportunities to write for publications and things. That's been a blessing. So yeah, no, it's, it's just been, it's been interesting how God has, how God used that. I just never imagined, I wouldn't have thought, let me do a project that summarizes Genesis to numbers if I if somebody didn't say, Hey, we need this first. It conference. opens so,
1: uh, an international conference of all these ladies around the world. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah that that's why I'm like, only God could have pulled that off and pulled it together. So very thankful.
1: No, it was very cool. We're definitely going to link that in the show notes as well. Very impressive video, which leads us really to kind of why we had you the impetus for me reaching out to you. I knew I had seen a while back you were promoting that you, uh, your poem, Love Made, was becoming a book. I saw you post about the backstory of it. And obviously, at, at the end, it's the impetus of the poem was your first child, correct?
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Who also,
1: yeah. by the way, you said it's JL. Is that how you say it?
2: JL. Yes. The one from Judges.
1: Yeah. JL. One of, I mean, I'm a kid guy, so I could say this about a lot of people, but one of my favorite Facebook kids, super, super precious, really like energetic kids. She looks like a handful, but she looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> yes,
2: that's a perfect way to put it. Yes, that is actually. So
1: this was written, so you said she's three, so this came out three years ago, your original poem and video you want to tell us a little bit about the circumstances surrounding that and kind of how you got inspired to write the poem?
2: Yeah. um, Again, totally the Lord. Not something I was setting out to to accomplish or do. John, my husband and I uh, got pregnant about eight months into our marriage. And um, for me, that was a bit early. Uh, It was a surprise. And I kind of wrestled in the beginning with that just the timing of things, wanting to be more financially stable, um wanting to enjoy our marriage a little longer before kids, all of that stuff. And absolutely um, understandable totally
0: understandable.
2: Yes. So about when I was about twelve weeks pregnant, we announced our pregnancy um, publicly. And the same night I ended up, I started to bleed and I thought I was having a miscarriage. Mm. And so they had me go to the doctors the next day or the OB the next day. And they told me there's there's still a heartbeat, but I had some health issues with around the pregnancy. And so the risk of losing this child um, really just helped me to see how precious her life was and made me really value the the gift of being pregnant and the gift of being a mom so that near the end of my pregnancy my friend uh, one of my best friends Nicole she was pregnant at the same time and she asked me to she asked me to like perform a poem at her baby shower and she asked me if I had any poems around motherhood or the joy of children and I was like nope I don't have anything on that cuz I've never experienced that <laughs> So I originally told her, no, I can't do it. Um, but on the morning of her baby shower, uh, and we were pretty advanced in our pregnancy at that point, in the morning of her baby shower, I was just spending time with the Lord praying. And as I was praying, just thanking God for the just the glory of the, the Trinity and the joy God had within himself for creation and just kind of meditating on that and how that overflowed into to make creation. And as I was praying, I kind of made that parallel between that and uh, parenthood and just the implications started to really blow my mind. And after I finished praying, I was like, let me just write, let me process this a little bit. And I wrote a poem called Love Made and I just wrote it in one sitting, and I was like, "This is kind of cool." So I texted my friend, and like, <laughs> "Hey, um, actually, I think I have a poem for today for your baby shower." <laughs> okay, so got I it. read it straight from my journal after having written it like an hour prior, and uh, just the whole room was like crying, and people were coming up to me after just how it impacted them, and. I had just written it, so I had, I didn't even really have the time to process it fully at that time. So since I was about to give birth, I was like, well, I would love to make this a children's book, but I don't have any idea how to go about that. I don't have any connections in that world. So I kind of let let it be. And then a, probably like a few months later or half a year later after I had given birth, I was like, I, maybe I can make this into an animation a YouTube video, like I have a friend who's an animator, Chris Powers. Yeah, I he love runs that the animation ministry full too. of eyes. And um I've worked with him before, like doing voiceovers for him. So I was like, I wonder oh, if nice. he'd be willing to like make a video for this. And so I had my friend Alex Hitchens do the music for it and then I recorded myself and sent it to Chris and he was willing to do a video. So Uh, one day when my daughter was about a year old the video came out and i thought okay that's that and that was encouraging and then
1: it's a great video by the way for sure thank you very impressive video i was showing my wife and my son and my son was real into it he's only four months old but he was real into it
2: oh that's really encouraging and i hope he enjoys the book as well but the yeah pre-ordered mine today yeah oh good okay um, yeah, he did such a good job with the video, but I just figured, okay, that's that, and you know, that's pretty much it. And I wrote, I think I, I did like a little interview thing with the Gospel Coalition around that video, and...
1: Yeah, I feel like I remember seeing that video when it first came out.
2: Yeah, so the Gospel Coalition like posted it. So I, that was that, and about a year after the video was posted, um, I just was praying going into the year like got it just different goals and different things that I was thinking about and burdens and stuff and one of them wasn't a big one for me but I was like I should look at I would like to look into children's literature at some point this year so that was kind of one of my goals going into I think it was 2017. Nice. I didn't really have any plans around that I was just like I should look into that and then one day in 2017 a few months in I get a Facebook message from a literary agent who says he saw that the Love Made video from the Gospel Coalition and said, hey, I'm a literary agent, and I really think this should become a children's book. Um, Here's how you can contact me. So I was like, this is probably fake. First of all, it's on Facebook Messenger. That's... (laughs) so I just was like, I don't, I don't know if this is even real. But I looked him up, and sure enough, he's was, he was legit. And so began conversations with him, and kind of he basically took it from there and, and allowed for me to get that manuscript or that poem presented to different publishers, which led to the Love Made Book. Yeah, that's awesome. Kind of long winded, but yes.
0: Yeah. That's amazing, and and one of the things that really amazed me about the book too and and really even amazed me about the story that you just told too is that from a prayer meditating on the trinitarian nature of god honestly when i read that book i think about jonathan edwards like the end for which god created the world and how it talks Mm -hmm. about you know it it is no lack in the fountain that it should overflow right that that Mm -hmm. god in the overflow of who he is created the entire universe just what kind of reading or thinking or influence kind of or di- even spiritual disciplines leads a person so that they can maybe even pray prayer, that, prayer that, that yeah, that gets that theological in a kid's book <laughs> and, and ultimately in their coming from their prayers?
2: Yeah, um, I really do feel like it is the grace of God. but a few years prior to that prayer. This is actually when I was single. I remember I was single, broke, out of college, jobless, and just hanging out in my room, struggling with depression. And I would listen a lot to John Piper. And I can't remember, maybe you guys can tell me, but I can't remember if it was a sermon or maybe it was an audio book of him. But I just remember him talking about that concept of um, the Trinitarian love and the delight God had within himself before creation and creation being just an overflow of that love and and delight that God had within himself. And that just stuck with me since that time, since I was like single and and in my room listening to John Piper. So it kind of just flowed out when I was, you know, praying and that, I mean, it greatly affected my theology and my understanding of just the greatness of God, the self-sufficiency of God, the love of God, um, the joy of God and yeah so it kind of was just sitting there in my heart and had had really impacted the way that i i saw the lord and, uh, so when I, that's what I'm like, when I was praying that prayer and, uh, ended up writing this poem, that was the first time I connected it to parenthood for some reason that it, it made sense, um, at that point, that sort of parallel, which the book is about. Well,
1: that's where you were in your walk and that's, that's what's supposed to happen right. when such we're a, faithful. Yeah. That's so encouraging. And such a beautiful wow. development
0: of theology to think about somebody in the 1750s writing something that influences John Piper and the things that he writes. I know he's written about it in probably the pleasures, the pleasures of, God, of God and God's some of the, delight in his Godness. Yeah. And then like for you then in that experience, living out that theology, thinking critically about actual life experience and connecting the creation of this new life for you as a mother and God in the world. And man, what a beautiful thing. And it's not ivory tower. It's just, it's so accessible, but true to life and true to the, to Mm. obviously reality that God is and he created.
1: And that's something we're very passionate here about that. We do want high theology, but just like what Trevor said, we don't want it to be ivory tower. We don't want it to be cold Mm. or disconnected from the realities of life and of joy and suffering and living in the real world. You were able Mm. to make that connection With your impending motherhood, your theology that you are dwelling on and refining. And hopefully at that time you said interacting with other brothers and sisters in small group intimate settings, you're interacting on these things. And when it comes time for you to approach motherhood, these things come into a new light for you.
2: Right, right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's, that's really the work of, of, I think the spirit just applying, like you said, theology to like the flesh or not the flesh, but you know, real life, um, fleshing it out in real life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I did also want to ask, the book is very impressive. So transitioning from the video, which was also very good in its own way to the book, how do you, first of all, (laughs) you want to say the name of your illustrator for me?
2: Yeah. Scotty Rice Snyder.
1: Rice Snyder. I'm usually pretty good with names. I usually get them, but I always like to ask just in case. I don't want to, especially on the record, say somebody's name wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. So what was it? Names on the cover. Kina, (laughs) You do? Yeah. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And then Scotty Rice Snyder. So we kept it spicy.
1: So what was that collaboration like? transitioning it from was the video even a part of it what was your collaboration like with him
0: was it hard to move also like from the having that picture in your mind of the animation from the video and then moving to his animation
2: yes and no i think at first i was like oh how's this gonna work but then once i saw his work, uh, um you know his draft and stuff i was like whoa this is gonna this is gonna look epic I, I didn't I didn't know him personally prior to this book, but my publishing company gave me a few options for illustrators, and his was the one that definitely stuck out the most, and he was just a real delight to work with. I would try to explain what I was thinking and what I wanted, um, and he just was such a great listener and was able to sort of repeat what I was saying in a way that, that made more sense, um, and he was able to, to really capture the vision that we had. And I'm just really thankful for his work. I think his, you know, his illustrations are just gorgeous and, and they really pop out at you.
1: They really are. I mean, he's a very talented guy on his own. The designs are unique and simple, but still very engaging and interesting. But I mean, mm-hmm. I only have a four month old. He's not given me too much feedback yet, but I look <laughs> at this, my wife and I, we are big book fans. I have way too many books. But um, I feel like this is perfect for a children's book. This illustration fits the concepts really well, and it really sticks out. I'm looking forward to getting a physical one and flipping through it.
2: Yes, yeah. it. I just think he did. Uh, and then, like, the way he did the animals and just the people. It just, yeah, I think he did such a good job. It's really, really pretty.
1: There's several impressive pages. the The two that really stick out to me, I really love the one with the bees and the hourglass. That's ah, just, yeah. man, oh man.
2: Yes, that was his idea. I mean, he when he, I saw that draft, I was like, yes, no changes on my part. I love it all. <laughs> like, Just do that.
1: So which of these pages would you say the first time you saw it? Which page kind of knocked you out? Which page did you completely fall in love with the most or did I already steal it with that one?
2: Oh, that's hard. That's like asking. I don't know. That's a tough one. I There are a you um definitely the one where it talks about the sixth day god making his greatest art piece people made in his image and it's this picture of adam and eve right it's a little bit of lion king but it's adam mm-hmm. and eve and not mm-hmm. lions on top of this cliff and all the animals sort of looking up to them and so just what that image communicates uh what that illustration communicates of us being made in the image of God and being the pinnacle of his His creation. Um, I loved how he illustrated that. The other one is that he was able to really replicate me and my husband and my daughter. There's a page, two pages, but it's of us hugging my daughter. And then the other one is us holding her hand and looking at the sunset. And so that was just like a really sweet Gift just to, um, for him to be able to like replicate us in that way. So that was. So,
1: what was that like seeing yourself in your book represented? Because you guys are represented in animation, but this is a really nice, sharp book. What was it like seeing you and your family represented in that when you got that in from the artist?
2: I mean, it's definitely surreal and it was very encouraging. And I think what also encourages me is just seeing like brown and black people in, in a children's book, I, I'm always encouraged by representation and knowing that my daughter and uh, so many oh other children of color will be able to um, even see themselves and just children period. will be able to see children of color in this book.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think both of those are we really love important. That. Obviously for you and your daughter, that's encouraging. But just like you said, I think that's good in general for right. everybody right. to see those sorts Absolutely. of things as as good and healthy and normal and not not have black children's books be a niche market.
0: Right. Exactly. We don't need to be stratified exactly. in our kids book.
1: And I was also going to tell you two other things as far as the actual work. That picture of you and your husband hugging your daughter, I was just showing Trevor's daughter who's about 2 years old flipping through it for her on the PDF that you sent us. She really adore that she's like hugs oh yeah she loves hugs an an unbiased two-year-old opinion yeah about an hour ago she loved that
0: ever since uh she saw people scoring goals in world cup 2018 uh she just really (laughs) loves hugs
2: that's awesome my daughter loves soccer too because she watches us yell Uh, As we watch soccer. And yes, I think what's so beautiful about that illustration of hugging and then it's a line in the poem or in the book and the poem itself, um, someone made out of our love, someone who gets to share our hugs, someone beautiful who came when we became one, um, is that something as simple as parents hugging a child and communicating that love uh, through physical affection can be a little bit of an image of God of the nature of of himself and so that's Mm -hmm. kind of it just blows my mind that something so simple like that can be a sort of illustration of something that's true of God as well
0: yeah like it says in Romans 15 uh, we should welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us and just kind of yeah there's something so welcoming and and accepting in an embrace
2: yes so true.
1: And I also really loved, I think maybe my favorite page, it definitely has my favorite text, so that maybe biases me as well with Adam and Eve on separate sides with the different pairs of animals, the children and parents mm. with their animals. I love that. The In my favorite line of the book, it stuck out immediately. Can you imagine the happiness God felt to see all that he made out of love, not out of need? Like that one sentence I feel mm. like can sum up the whole book and is deeply Mm -hmm. theological and also just really beautiful and accessible. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. I I love that too. And, And to be able to teach that to our children or to the little ones in our lives and to be reminded of that ourselves, like God didn't have to make us, but he wanted to, and he did it out of the abundance of, of love within himself. And so, what a joy it is to be loved by a God who doesn't necessarily need me, but wants me. And and I think if we know the gospel, like the the depth of that love is not even captured fully in creation. It's it's at the cross, and so it kind of it just. Further blows your mind as you when you think about the the love of God in that way um, and the self sufficiency of God.
1: Yeah, a lot of a, deep theology built that into sequel? that into that one <laughs> sentence there. Oh so, yeah, that's true. Some
0: <laughs> sequel material there. Was <laughs> that so? Is that some sequel material there? You giving us a, a a sneak peek?
2: That was a uh, an Easter egg.
0: <laughs> hey. So when you think about. This book and the impact that you want it to have, maybe even on your on your own daughter your own family, what are your some some of the aspirations you have there
2: um i I think as, as much as I love that this book has some theological depth to it um I want my daughter to really understand that she that mommy and daddy really love her and that she really has brought us so much joy and if If that is just a drop in the ocean of God's love for her, then I I just pray that it will be something that will help her and others really center her identity around being loved.
1: That's got to be a real special thing. I, I always loved books, but to grow up and to have read to me a book that ends with a really beautiful illustration of my parents and me that's got to be incredible. That's great.
2: <laughs> yeah. I just, I just, yes. One of those things that again, I was like, I didn't know this that that last page
1: is so great.
2: Yeah. He did so good. Scotty. I just, he, he's so incredible with the illustrations. I'm just really thankful that she'll see that and be able to appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, whenever a parent, like when I read this to my son and that someone is you, that's gonna mean something, but that's gonna mean something even more for you and John when you read it to her, because that actually is her. She's like, "Oh, that's me." Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. My, and I uh, love. I have a nephew who is around my daughter's age, and he he was. Uh, my sister told me that when he was reading or when she was reading it to him, he was like, "Where, where am I though? Where, where am I?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's someone's JL. <jail>. Where's me?
2: <laughs> yeah. So he's like, "Oh, okay." So I'll have to think about that for the next one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I love hearing too, just the connection that you said that your love that you have for your child and helping them feel wrapped in that and helping them understand that that's just a drop in the bucket of the love of God for them and helping them to be even further centered, hopefully one day by the Holy Spirit and their identity in, in Him.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. And that's yeah. just
0: what a great way to model that in your own your own life your own relationship talking about love in that way and then hoping to model that as saying this is like how god loves you know in some imperfect way but through right and then
2: i think as a parent and when you're reading this it just there's like the way your heart bursts in affection and love for your child like whether they're an adopted child or biological just the way that your heart bursts in affection for them it's always leads us back to like man if if i feel this strongly and would sacrifice so much for this child like what about the love of god for me and he calls me his beloved child that just blows my mind
1: there's that and there's so many deep theological things seated in this book i'm i'm very excited to get my own copy but i'm also very excited to Recommend this resource. There's absolutely going to be an Amazon link in the show notes for this. We're yeah. going to promote this a ton when the show comes out. I I think every believing household should get one of these. I yeah. think it's great.
0: Run, don't walk.
2: Praise God. Thank you guys. I appreciate that. So
1: before we let you go, I there's a couple of uh, quick questions I wanted to ask at the end. You already talked about you really love The Great Divorce, but what would you say are three to five Christian books that you consider? either your favorite or most impactful or ones that you would recommend to our listeners? What are maybe three to five books that have had a profound impact on you and you would recommend to others?
2: Oh, man. Okay. Um, I really loved, like I said, The Great Divorce. I also really loved um, Tim Keller's The Prodigal God because it retold the the prodigal son story and just was really helpful for me to understand the gospel better. Um that way um more recently a book that really impacted me it was called The Wounded Healer and yeah. it's just it was very helpful for me as somebody who does do ministry and has been serving the Lord for a little while just the the title in it itself was ministering to me, The Wounded Healer, like that's who Jesus is, but um mm-hmm. seeing myself uh, in that way, and uh, helping me, it it really has helped me to um, be able to call out some of my own wounds and not be ashamed of them, but see them as uh, ways that God is wanting to be a healing agent for others. So the wounded healer, that was really really good. I would say those three. Excellent.
1: And you said you're a big hip hop fan as well. This isn't a question we necessarily ask everybody, but seeing as how you're a hip hop fan, what are your and then there's, doesn't really have to be all time currently. What would you say your top five Christian hip hop albums are? Oh, you
2: have a top five
1: running currently?
2: Yeah. Um. Yes. Yeah. So the first Christian hip hop album I ever heard, my friend who had shared the gospel with me was, was braiding my hair and she put it on and I just heard Matthew ten thirteen, 13 and he's like quoting scripture. I'm like, wait, hip hop can do that. Like you can talk about scripture in hip hop. Uh, and that was flame self-titled album flame i love think it's the first one um and that yeah. was when i first became a believer so i'm a little biased because of the way that it personally impacted me um to have that album as a brand new believer um i think that the truth what's the the face i think it's called the face um that was kind of around the same time i love that album and then the atonement by shylin so like, good changed yes. my life in college it was my freshman year in college and that really helped me to understand the cross and and also connected me to some other t- teaching that i hadn't um and teachers that i hadn't heard of um but yeah the atonement i think with that to the attributes of god i just love yes. that album uh, i still um, think it's at-
0: the best album of all time
1: when i have to do my top five i'm almost like so are we counting attributes of god like that's almost in its own category at the top of the yeah. top of the top. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I feel like all of my albums, my favorite Christian hip hop albums, I'm like always extremely, it's not objective at all. It's the way that it impacted me in the season of life that I was in. So that's kind of why I mentioned those ones. Um, I think Rebel from Lecrae or Rebel, I'm not sure how it's supposed to be pronounced, but that album was impactful for me as well Um, early on. Rebel's great. Yeah, in in my walk with the Lord and i'm always a fan of kb i think anything he puts out i always
1: love i think Wait and glory is maybe my favorite at since, since real talk i think Wait and glory is my favorite first album from any of those reach guys hmm. that was incredible yeah i mean was- <laughs> i'm kind of old school i can kind of be the cranky fan a lot i like a lot of the earlier stuff i do like a lot of kb stuff as well but, man, I, I think I've, I listen to Weight and Glory probably more than I listen to a lot of the new, just all the stuff coming out of Reach.
2: Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I love, I mean, I just feel like KB's been extremely consistent and always is very challenging and uh, in, in a good way and encouraging. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've always been a huge fan.
1: Sure. Well, great.
0: Awesome. Well, it's exciting to see all the things that the Lord is using you for and his grace in your life to be a minister in these in these ways and these platforms. And, you know, we're excited to see what the Lord continues to do with you and your influence on Risen Motherhood and in the gospel coalition and in these these roles that the Lord has put you in.
2: Thank you. So guys. thanks for
1: coming on, Keena.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciated um, being able to talk with you guys and pray that um, as your podcast takes off, that many will be really challenged and encouraged.
0: Thank you so much for that.
1: And where can they, is Amazon, or any local stores going to have it? Or would they, would it yeah, help you more if people bought um, directly from you? Or is Amazon the go-to?
2: You could do Amazon. It'll be at Barnes & Noble and LifeWay. Um, that's awesome. what I'm aware of right now. I'm not sure if it'll
1: be Barnes like that. Barnes & Noble, and very Nice.
2: Yeah, my mom used to take me there, and I was a little girl. So I'll probably cry when I go see it in real life, in person. That's great.
1: <laughs> Are you going to do anything locally? Go to any signings or stores um, or anything like yeah, that?
2: I've had A few people ask me that. Like, I if someone sets it up for me, I would be totally willing. But <laughs> I don't have the energy or time to actually set that up for myself. So I would be <laughs> no, that's to it. But right now, there understood well. <laughs> Tweet at us,
1: let us know, we'll promote that. I mean, right now we're in Kansas City, but we both grew up and spent the first 23, 24 years of our lives in Florida. So maybe we can send some people your way as well there.
2: Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Yes, for sure.
1: Well, very cool. Thanks again for coming on, Kina. And again, Thank you for your time. love made. By the time you're hearing this, it's already been out. So go get it.
2: Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank right. you,
1: Kina.
0: Have a great evening.
2: All right, you too. <laughs> Bye-bye.
0: So that was Kina Aragon, the author of the new book, Love Made. If you are looking at books to get for kids of your own or kids of a friend a or a family member, or
1: you're going to a shower or your niece out. or nephew's got a birthday scroll coming up for a holiday. scroll down
0: to the show notes of the show, hit the Amazon link, and go ahead and get your copy today.
1: It's like 12 or 13 bucks. It's yeah. highly, highly worth it. Beautifully illustrated. Deeply theological.
0: Also, uh, while you're in the show notes, you can see our social medias. So you'll see our Twitter link there at The Substance Pod and our Facebook page as well. And we've got our different ways that you can reach out to us on there. Also through our email, thesubstancepod at gmail.com and our phone number 913-703-3888. If you want to go ahead and leave us a voicemail on there, you can do that. And we will listen to it. Emails are covered by the substance guarantee where um, (laughs) I guarantee that I will read the emails that come through and Philip guarantees that
1: I just might.
0: We also have some shout outs from folks who wrote some reviews for us. Thank you guys for jumping on to podcast app, whatever overcast, whatever app that you are using. Really iTunes though,
1: Apple Podcasts
0: write the reviews and stuff and that's yeah like philip said the apple podcast main one we're we're finding these reviews on we wanted to just shout out some of the most recent reviews that have come through from some of y'all out there in listener land
1: so uh we got this one a little while back from music addiction 20 Thanks for the new podcast. This show combines a deep love for Christian theology and current day American cultural issues and topics in movies, media, and politics. The hosts are well prepared. Thanks, Music yeah, Addiction. Man, appreciate that. and sustained good conversation. Two thumbs up. Then we also heard from That's how a crazy. Pontier i wish i wish i could actually see the title some of you guys i'm sure wrote very generous titles that i'm just seeing a couple words and then dot 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 need to figure that out in the future for when yeah, i read these i'll, but. Get, I'll get that on <clears throat> a Pontier wrote i love how deep they dig and at the end of the topics truly balanced and fair well informed and insightful conversation to make you think thumbs up appreciate that and lastly today from ron shamblin great balance of conversation. Just binge the first four podcasts. It's pretty great that (laughs) we're able to be binged now. Thank you. Uh, Great content. I enjoyed the balance that the hosts have together as well as the jumps in and out of topics, politics, culture, and theology. We really appreciate that, Ron. And that's really our goal. Again, like we said in the episode, our goal isn't to get into the pulpit and start preaching theology or on the other hand, just get on a cultural or a political or a entertainment soapbox and just talk about our random thoughts. The goal is to truly genuinely engage the culture from a position of faith with as biblical of a theology as we can.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, thanks for for writing those in. Keep them Um, coming. Yep. Uh, PSA for everybody to enjoy the substance responsibly. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) And uh, we will see you next time. See
1: you next week, everybody.
0: Yep. Thanks.
1: That's what it is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah.